Let's do this. The Cult Podcast by the Faithful and for the Faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. I guess I got what I was hoping for through the third period there. I was just, and I sent a message to you, like, I just hope they get a loser point out of this one because the mm-hmm. Oilers uh, did not bring their A game tonight on a number of levels. They got a, they, they did get their loser point. They lost 4-3 in overtime on a mental mistake, a couple mental mistakes in overtime, mental mistakes starting to define this team's poor run of play recently. Yep. And uh, they lost 4-3 to three to the Nashville Predators because of it. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What is your – we'll start off with your good thing. Or maybe okay. we should start off with the bad things tonight because it's just a top of mind. Let's do that. Let's start off with the bad things. Okay, well, let's start off the very end of the game then. Uh, brain cramp by the two Oilers forwards out on a three-on-three in overtime. Uh, both deciding that that's a good idea to make a line change while the opposition has the puck. And uh, first of all, it was Nugent Hopkins trying to sneak off. He had had a long and fairly decent shift, but he was trying to sneak off while while, uh, Nashville was setting up behind their own net. And so that left his man open on the penalty box side, far from the bench. Uh, That man being Alexander Carrier, who happened to be the scorer of the game, losing goal against uh, from the Oilers' viewpoint. And uh, uh, then Kyler Yamamoto. So Nuge did make his change, and and McDavid was just coming on the ice, but he was like 85 feet, basically, from the the goal scorer because he was on the opposite side of the ice. And then Kyler Yamamoto on the forecheck, uh, he's sort of close to the guy who's going to make the 120-foot stretch pass, and then he just sort of peels off from the front of the net and he gestures to the bench, I'm going to change. And then he coasts to the bench, coasts. And, and I'm not saying it probably wouldn't have mattered if he had sped to the bench, but it sure would have looked better. I mean, three on three. And you got one change going on and you got another guy quitting on the play and coasting to the bench, like two-footed skating, gliding to the bench. And I, I'm not even sure if his replacement got on the ice. And he did, yes. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid both got nailed with minus one on those blunders by the guys that they had to replace. And this is one of the big negatives of the plus-minus system. It does not punish bad line changes. It punishes teammates of bad line changers. It sure happened there. And Yamamoto, I mean, what are you thinking, man? And why aren't you hustling? Well, why didn't he just Three on three. Well, I mean, he's got to get in the lane. He's got to be doing something to harass the guy. And he just kind of cruised away from him and then coasted to the bench. I mean, watch the replay, folks, and tell me I'm wrong. And, and, I mean, if it's five-on-five, five, you see that kind of change on a five-on-five five lots, where the deep forward gets beat by by a pass, or he's, you know, he's lost position. i got to change now while the changing's good. Well, in overtime, the changing's never good, because as soon as you go off the ice, it's a three-on-two or a two-on-one. In this case, it was a two-on-one. And the guy did what Leon should have done earlier, which was shoot the damn puck on the two-one run rather than try and feed the other guy. And uh, he made the shot. And game over. Like just two seconds of brain-dead hockey. Game over. All he and had to do, all wait, he had to do was read. Me. All he had to do, Bruce, was read the play. Yeah. Read the play and have that situational awareness in the game, which is what the Oilers lack. 
as a team. They're, they they play. Listen, Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins are pretty smart hockey players, generally speaking. Veteran players, first round draft choices, good yeah. hockey players, well, dumb plays. First Sorry, round draft guys, picks but... often play. First round draft picks often play with the puck on their stick throughout their minor hockey careers, and they're not very good defensive players. Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto have become pretty good defensive players. Uh, Nugent Hopkins at center in recent years, and Yamamoto's always been fairly, uh, he's been a smart defensive hockey player. All you had to do was read the play. If he he doesn't want to get up on the defenseman, thinking the defenseman's then going to rush up the ice and he'll be too tired to chase him, just kind of see who he might pass to and block off that passing lane. As soon as the pass is made, then that defenseman way back out of the play, then you could safely get off the ice because he's not going to rush into the play. Like there's a way to make that play and get off the ice at the same time, work towards getting off the ice and block the passing lane or, or threaten to block the passing lane. So he, he, he doesn't, he isn't able to make such a, a, a easy, sweet pass to, to his, um, to carrier. So just, yeah, you're right, Matt. Yamamoto really blew that. A new, I don't know what he's thinking. The other team has full possession of the pockets. Mm-hmm. It's three. It's a two-on-one. The second he mm-hmm. changes, it's a two-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, we didn't see the change. He was tracking back with a Nashville player. Maybe he saw the Nashville player go to the bench. Maybe he saw a Nashville player go to the bench. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure which one it was then because there was two Nashville players behind him. I'm so, not sure who. I'm right. not sure what happened. There. Well, he was, he was tracking it. Joshua player who was out. the short bench, so it may have been they made a quick change there. But either way, he let yeah. the guy go, and uh, McDavid had no chance, and uh, and Drysaddle had less chance than that. Yeah, you know. All right, Bruce. My bad thing is the defensive play of the top line. Um, obviously, when they're good, they're fan- freaking fantastic, and when but when they're bad, um, goals against come. They're three pretty offensive-minded players at this point, uh, especially, you know, they had a lot of success recently. And um, in the first period, especially, they just weren't, they were not on defensively. And it started on the first goal against. Mm-hmm. Um, Bouchard passed the puck. I think it actually hit Dreisaitl in the skates. And yeah. he couldn't control it. And then he lost the, he lost the battle for the puck. And a three-on-two ensues. But Hyman has a chance to get back in the place. Quickly, quick three-on-two ensues Hyman has a chance to get back in the play he's a little slow and he doesn't get back on the the guy he needs to cover Drysaddle cruises back so this is this is you know the goal in the end wasn't their fault it was Jack Campbell with an early mistake um who made the main mistake I think a bad rebound on the shot um kicking it right back out in the slot Jack Campbell had a pretty good game in many ways but he had bad he had really iffy rebound control the whole game, and this was Exhibit A and another goal against yeah. early in the game. It wasn't the only mistake of the top line in the first period. Um, right with a minute left, um, they're, um, they're uh, in, the, in the zone, and McDavid loses his man. It's just a quick play in the slot, but McDavid loses his, his man, and it's a five-alarm shot for Nashville. So, again, like that would... Um, that would have put them down two to one at that point, but they, the game was tied. So just they got better um, actually early in the second. There they go again. McDavid allows another pass. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember that play specifically. It was Bouchard and he that allowed a pass. And again, another five alarm chance again. So three um, five alarm chances with the top line within the first 22 minutes of the game. Um, 
they, these guys, everyone says, we all say they play a lot of hockey. There's a lot riding on them. There's a lot of pressure on them. They got to score. They probably feel the pressure to score. But if you don't take care of your own end, it doesn't help. It makes things a lot worse. And that's why it's part of the reason why they got down a goal. And, um, you know, generally speaking, they've been okay, this line on defense. But they're starting to lose it a little bit, I, I think. Might be time to break them up. Well, I said to my wife right at the time, you know, you give them an easy one. Now you got to get two to win your part of the game. And, you know, tonight they didn't get two. In fact, they didn't get any at even strength. As usual, it was the Oilers' power play that was producing two of the three goals, uh, just as happened on Saturday. And I can't recall for sure on Thursday that they also lost 4-3 in overtime to the Blues. Did they get two power play goals in that game? I think maybe they did. And five on five, they're just not producing much. Yeah. three Three losses in a row by the same score. You don't see that very often. At least they got two loser points. Finally, Bruce. And this was a good loser point because this was a game in many ways that deserved to lose. Um, but, um, you know, the grade A shots were 19 to 10 for the Predators, almost 2 to 1 for grade A shots. The five alarm shots were closer, 8 to 6 for mm-hmm. the Predators. So the Oilers yeah. had some good chances, especially on the power play. But um, uh, Oilers were lucky to get a, a loser point in this one. So I, I, it, it would have been nice to get steal a point, steal another mm-hmm. point. But, um, they they kind of got what they, they kind of got what they deserved. I think I, they don't no way they deserve both points, but uh, you know, they did fight back in the game three times to uh, uh, produce a tying goal. And I thought uh, at times down the stretch of the third period, not all the time, but for most of the last 10 minutes, they were actually playing sane, uh, protect the house hockey, doing a lot of sort of clearing the puck out to the guy at the center red line who tipped it deep, make the change, you know, and like the way you have to play in this stupid cockamamie point system that the league has, you got to you got to play for the tie, and know that you got a 50% chance or better in the case of the Oilers of of taking the second point later. But you know, you'd rather give up the 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 uh, winning goal two minutes into overtime than with two minutes left in regulation, and they. Mostly played that way. There was one devious moment where uh, Darnell Nurse coughed the puck up in his own slot and immediately did what he does, which is go sliding, trying to make a hero play and take himself right out of it. Thankfully, that didn't uh, develop into something or uh, there'd be uh, the jury would have spoken on that. But I will mention in passing that that did happen. But that was one of the rare times, even when Nashville pressured, I thought orders kept it to the outside and there wasn't a lot of danger shots down the stretch. So that part was okay. Uh, the uh, the nurse play came three minutes into the into the third period too. It wasn't in the so with fifteen. No, there was minutes, one late. There was one late. It didn't, oh, it didn't result in a dangerous shot. It just resulted oh, okay. in a real dangerous oh, I think situation. There wasn't a grade-A shot in the final 15 minutes of the game for either team, so oh, both teams well, shut it down and evidently shut it smart. Might that's as well. how Batman hockey works, Gary. The way you got your cockamamie rules set up, it pays for both teams to sit on a tie score. And it's you know, it's it's not that entertaining, but it's it's the intelligent way to play the system. Well, so you get the winners figured that out. Well, let's hope. Because, uh, you know, the lose one goal losses in regulation have gotten real old. So we'll take the two loser points out of the th- three games. It'd be like winning one game and losing two in regulation, without, you know, without beating anybody. So, What's your good thing, Bruce? 
Oh, well, now that I already talked about uh, decent hockey in the last 10 minutes, I, I'm just going to just randomly talk about what really caught my eye tonight, Brett Kulak's skating. I thought he had a fantastic game skating. He was all over the ice and just dangling on the blades and, and all the way from deep from one zone to the other. And I, I just thought his skating game really stood out. I thought we, we saw... You know, his mobility as a defender is is really his core strength. And I thought tonight he really brought that. And I don't think statistically he had anything special of a game. Uh, I just thought that that particular skill of his was, was really on display. And I enjoyed watching him play in this game. He was good. He was a little, he, a little few hiccups with the puck. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his stick handling isn't always up at the same level as his skating. <laughs> but yeah, he really does. Fair. He really is a beautiful skater. He he flies out there, and um, you know he's like the poor man's Jay Bogmeister, I guess, is how I describe him. He's a defensive defenseman who can really really skate. Uh, you know there were some other players. I th- I thought Cody Cece played super sensible uh, hockey. Matthias Janmark made a lot of. I I keep noticing Janmark. He's really snake bitten this year. He's only got three points. Yeah. But uh, he he makes a lot of really smart and good plays as well. He's continually doing it. Bruce, my good thing though was Nuge. He got the two goals. Um, I, I'm actually my good thing is this, this, the second of his two goals because I think it says a lot about. I guess maybe both of them do. The first one I think, as I recall, he's going to the net, pretty hard to the mm-hmm. net. But the second one, he just he gets the pass from McDavid. It's on the power play. He gets it in the slot. It was a real goal scorer's goal because he just takes that extra moment to pull the puck in, get a better angle of the shot, fool the goalie a little bit, and he puts it off the post into the net through Great a screen. Great shot. Great shot. Yeah, and it's just, he's making this, those shots this year. Now, it could just be, this just could be, I'm just going on some really hot shooting puck luck here, right? So everything he's shooting is going in, he looks great because of it, and it's not actually any uh, major improvement in his skill um, or in his... Um, Ability to get off grade A shots in a game. I don't have those numbers handy, actually, how many grade A shots he's had overall this year as compared to other years. But um, he uh, he sure looked like a goal scorer on that play. Sure did, Bruce. And I think he's got 17 goals, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in 33 yes. games. 17 goals in 33 games. So On pace for 42, probably. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing improvement. Now... There, there obviously is some puck luck going on here. He's getting some good shooting luck, but he's all he is making his luck. That's that's a that's a super confident shooter taking his time, um, and in a, in a kind of predatory, smart, cold blooded, predatory fashion and cashing in. Good for you, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He keeps showing up in the slot, doesn't he? He does puck, more than ever before. The puck, the puck comes there, and there's Nuge, and he's you know, and he's putting a hard shot on net, and. It's uh, well. It's really nice to see, and he's uh, uh, he's reaching his second career renaissance now. I think he's in his in his sort of uh, uh, established, uh, high skilled uh, years where you know we got the best of the experienced Nuge with the guy that's still you know young and athletic, and his career still reminds me so much of Patrick Marlowe. Uh, who, like him, was a very high draft pick, second overall, and who, uh, 
in his first go as number one C in San Jose, he wasn't that successful. But once he was surrounded with a couple other really high-end forwards, in their case, uh, Joe Thornton, uh, Little Joe uh, Pavelski, and uh, Logan Couture, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, the, the uh, versatility of Marlowe to play center or wing, to play in all situations, and all of a sudden, in his 26, 27-year-old years, he started putting up the points that he never did as a younger guy. And at Nuge, I think we're starting to see the same thing, that he's uh, he's uh, well on pace to hit uh, 70 plus for the first time in his career and at the moment he's probably on pace for 90 plus I mean, he's really pumping him in there so i never learned how to make a line change david <laughs> he knows too he knows how to make oh a line change. yeah he knows yeah uh yeah he knew before he sat down on the bench that he screwed that one up i suspect you think so <laughs> Well, when the goal horn is going, you're still turning around to put your butt down on the bench. Chances are that something went wrong while you were coming off. I think that's... Uh, <laughs> Indeed. So, uh, I'm extrapolating, but I'd be interested to hear him ask that. If someone had the, had the courage to ask that question, I'd be interested to hear his answer. Well, it was a mistake so big that Louis DeBrusque pointed it out, so there's no, uh, there's no avoiding it. So, okay. Uh, Nugent, Nugent Hopkins, I did just check his grade A shots. Last year, Bruce, he averaged one a game. This year, he's at 1.5 per game. So it's not just puck luck. He is getting off, uh, you know, one more grade A shot every second game, which is significant. So yeah. he's figuring out a way to get better shots at net all of a sudden. And that would be interesting to, to to hear him ask that if there's something that he's, he's done um, in his mental game. Um, to uh, improve that ability, and um, that's a that's a pretty dramatic improvement in one year uh, in that category to go from one a game to one point five a game. Uh, where are we at? That was your good thing. We did bad things earlier. Oh, okay, we're at numbers. Yeah, yeah. So I was confused there. Okay, what's your number? <sighs> okay, well I'm going to go with eight eighty six. That's Jack Campbell's save percentage in this game. And I got, I got some some uh, sympathy for Jack Campbell in this game. When you look at the cold, hard numbers at the end of the day, 35 shots against, four goals, 886 save percentage, what's probably 390-something goals against average because he did play a little over 60 minutes. But it's just right on course with what we've been seeing all year, which is 875, 404. And... I, he made some really good saves in this game, some good emergency saves. Uh, the cause of some of those emergencies, though, was the general chaos around the goal crease, uh, which he was a part of, with uh, with some of the rebounds and, and uh, um, uh, just you know, it, it didn't it didn't seem like the pucks that even the ones that hit him in the belly would stick to him. They would sort of dribble back out into the slot, and there was a one or two puck handling issues. And just, I don't know, as a fan, I'm having trouble feeling real comfortable when this guy's in net because, you know, and I mean, he had, he did have bad luck on that one shot that hit the, hit the outside guy on the, on the leg. I think it was oh, Barry yeah. bounced off his leg and inside the short side post though. And, you know, anyway, and also thought on the Matt Duchesne goal, the power play goal where Duchesne went around CC wide and, and. Campbell tried to poke check him, and I just don't know what was the thought process there. 
Because it's not like Duchesne was coming across the front of the net to deke him and he had to poke it off his stick. Duchesne had a, had a bad angle. And when Campbell went down to go for the poke check, Duchesne very quick, very, very deftly pulled it back and put it right over Campbell's shoulder into the top of the net. But I think if the goalie's there and in position, there is no top of the net. So that was just a gamble that went wrong to me. And I mean, the guy who beat him was a very accomplished goal scorer, make no mistake. But I just think that was a play where the where the goalie maybe bit on something that he would have been better off to to display the shot there. But that's me, old goalie kind of. I always think there's things the goalies can do. I'm not one of these commentators who said, well, the goalie had no chance on that one after every goal. Sometimes he doesn't have a chance. Sometimes there's something he could have done different. Um, yeah. That, that case, he, you know, I thought he was proactive where it was not necessarily helpful. And uh, Matt Duchesne sure made him pay for it. Let's put it that way. He did. He reminded me of Mike Palmatier. <laughs> uh, mandatory 1970 sports reference in that Paul, Paul Matier would often give up big, re- as I recall, he, he'd be wandering mm-hmm. from the net and giving up rebounds and then making the big save afterwards. And there was a couple of Paul Matier like moments from, from uh, Jack Campbell tonight, which is kind of good because, you know, the end of that was there's a good save at the end of the chaos. And we saw that a number on a number of occasions. Sometimes the chaos wasn't always his fault. Sometimes it was other players causing the chaos. I mean, in the third period, you know, there was, there was a really super chaotic moment, but it might have come actually after, you know, that that one, the glove save that was shown repeatedly on the telecast. It started off with kind of an iffy rebound on a deflected shot. They didn't really ever have a good um, replay of it. So I couldn't, I'm, I'm not 100% sure how bad that rebound, the initial rebound was. We saw a second rebound on a, a more dangerous shot off the first one, but right. that was pretty typical of, of Campbell's game. I mean, that said, I think he was the best goalie on the night. Like, if if you look at expected goals, um, they should have scored about six, you know, somewhere around six goals, Nashville, on that many grade A shots. They had lots of really good shots, and he had, you know, one fantastic, you know, like saves for sure. Had save uh, to save the game. Um, that that was with 15 minutes left, as I recall, in the in the game. And that was an incredible, great. That was his best save of the year, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, key moment of the game, yeah. the team's tied, and he makes a big save like that. I was I just thought, oh, that's really good. Like that's the kind of thing like we always hear. That's the kind of thing that can turn around his confidence and get him playing well. But I do think those things happen. I don't think that's necessarily made up. Like a a good moment like that can change a player's psychology, get them going on a different track. Um, it can help. Anyway, he um, he he did have his bad moments and that relates to my number Bruce so after that first goal with the what we we thought was a bad rebound right into the slot I mean it was on a backhand shot a hard fairly hard backhand shot but from a a little bit of a distance um Mm -hmm. you know not right close and you'd you'd think he could put that into the corner but he put it across you know pumped it back out to the other side to the open player and they pumped it and I'm just it was a I had a little uh PTSD moment there, like thinking, how much, how often do we have to see this this year? So Campbell started 14 games, Bruce, and um, I went back and I checked, and let me just find my chart here. Jack Campbell's mistakes, like what? Crap goal. So my my definition of a crap goal is it's in the first period. You're either down, you're either zero zero or one one or it, zero one the game's close and and the goalie then makes not only lets in a goal 
but he lets in a goal because of his own mistake. That's a big part of the uh, sequence of pain. And Jack Campbell, that was the sixth time in 14 games he's done that. In the no. um, a lot, five of the six have come in the first five minutes of the game. And, wow. And um, including Tonight's tonight. For, tonight. Yeah, oh, yeah. He hadn't done it since game 10, but he hasn't had a lot as many starts since game 10. <laughs> he did Perhaps it because times. he keeps making mistakes in the first five minutes of those games, eh? Yes, Bruce. Oh, <sighs> uh, my dear Watson. Uh, five five times in the first 10 games, and I don't know how many of those he started, but man, it, it, he just got off to a rancid, rancid start. And he is... You know, that was the first time he's done it since then. He's probably had six or five well, or six. Last, last game, there was that one that went through Cody Cece that leaked through him and in like one minute into the first period. Remember that he played Cal- in Nashville? We didn't, we, didn't, we didn't hammer Campbell on that one. No. Even as there was a case to be made, he could have closed the hole. You know? Fair enough. I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was a crop goal, whether it was on Jack Campbell specifically or not. That was a real, real ugly one. But <clears throat> yeah, you're right. I thought there had been a more recent one, and that's the play that was probably in my head because everyone in oil country was thinking the same thing, like, Jack Campbell, you did it again, when really it went off CC, and that was a, a tough mm-hmm. play for the goalie. I mean, the rebound tonight that went off the guy was even worse. I mean, that was just terrible because it was, you know, an outside shot that – was going to go wide, way wide, and it was really hard. And, it, and rebound, rebounded shot was super hard. The CC rebound was a little bit more of a dribbler, and you'd think the goalie might be able to get it if he was super sharp, which Jack Campbell hasn't been all year. He's battling it, Bruce. Yeah, was, I mean, I'll give him credit for battling, but he's he's fighting the puck a lot. And, you know, some some nights he fought the puck and the puck won. Well, at least tonight he got a. At least he, you know, he got a point. And part of the reason I got a point was he made some saves, uh, but he did not, you know, um, slam the door. This is a game Oilers could have won three two or three one, or they could have lost five three, you know. And it's turned out they basically tied it, ticked the point, and then one shot, one goal in overtime. So they're giving up four goals a game here. Like this is every game, like, every game. This is like a ridiculous trend of mental mistakes. Generally speaking, mental mistakes, um, and that's what we saw again tonight, leading to losses. And uh, wow, that must be frustrating for the coaches and uh, for the players. It's the kind of thing that has you questioning your teammates, like <laughs> get your head out of your butt, like make the right play. Not to be tonight. Well, Bruce, I got to get going here. I got a hockey game of my own, so thanks for talking tonight. One last number for you. 26 games since the Oilers held an opponent to less than two goals against. 26 in a row they've allowed two or more goals. Just one game all year where they where they kept the other guys to one. Anyways, <laughs> with that cheery note, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>